going on, guys? Welcome back to Spicy Memories. It is episode two, and you are here in my apartment. And uh, I made a little intro, a little seven-minute intro podcast uh, as the last episode. So I want to thank everyone for listening to that little weird intro that I did extremely late at night. Um, so this episode, I just wanted to give you an update on uh, some stuff. I had briefly talked with the guys over at WMIA about what the status is with the hot sauce and I wanted to kind of fully explain it. And I also wanted to talk about a few other podcasts I started listening to in the last week. Um, ones that I really, really, really loved uh, so far. So yeah, let's get into it. So, uh, basically, I... Yeah, well, to start, let me just give everybody a quick thing. I'm going to be putting a, a link in my description at my Instagram and a few other places. The Indiegogo for my hot sauce has started. Um, unlike a lot of other hot sauce companies and stuff like that, a lot of people were, I, I'm doing the Indiegogo simply for the beginning registration, licensing, and permit phase. Um, a lot of companies will be asking for 20 grand, 30 grand on there. I'm not, I'm not looking to do that. The thing is because the process is so lengthy, I'm hoping to expedite it a little bit. And this is also a way for people to get the hot sauce that have been asking me. A lot of people have said, how can I buy the hot sauce? How can I buy it? And, you know, I did some giveaways and stuff like that, but basically, you know, this is a way for them to put money towards the licenses while also getting a bottle of hot sauce. And yeah. And as far as uh, the update on the process, so my hot sauce was officially approved by the Cornell Food Lab. Uh, the first thing you have to do when you make a hot sauce in New York State is send it to the Cornell Food Lab where they test it, make sure it's not going to kill anybody, um, especially when it's this acidic. And then they tell you that it's shelf stable and they tell you that it's safe, whatever. You have to send the ingredients, you have to send the process, all that shit. And so they sent it back to me. But now what I have to do is because my hot sauce is so acidic, I fall into a different category of usual food producers in New York. So I need a special license to produce that hot sauce called the Better Process Control. And that comes with a course that you have to take before the license. The course itself is half a thousand dollars. And then the license is the same price. And then after that, I have to get an inspection from the FDA, which costs hundreds of dollars. And then after that, I have to pay for a food warehouse license so I'm actually legally able to store my hot sauce. Uh, you would think that all this is a little bit crazy for homemade hot sauce, but like I said, New York State makes it pretty hard for a small independent business like this to actually get going. So that's why we started that. Um, you know, you can check out the link in the description and, uh, you know, always reach out to me if you ever want a special request, anything like that. You know, I'll always make something for somebody. So um, while that's all getting set up, I also wanted to talk about why I started this podcast. Uh, basically, you know, I'm videos, I don't always have time to do videos or if it's like too late at night sometimes and my lighting is just not working out. Uh, you know, it's just, this, I, you know, I wanted another way to kind of uh, create content without having to, you know, do a whole recipe, whole video every single time. And, you know, I love podcasts and especially recently I've been listening to more podcasts. So I figured, you know, why not give it a try? I'm going to be talking with some people in the next coming weeks that I'll give you a little update on soon. But um, one podcast I started listening to, believe it or not, well, I've been listening to Bill Burr for years. Uh, Bill Burr is just, uh, he's, 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 uh, he's got the Monday morning podcast. How are you? For all those people who know that intro. And, you know, it's been hilarious. It's been funny. He just rants sometimes. He's a fucking psychopath. But, uh, yeah, I love him. And uh, the other podcast that I just recently started listening to was Bon Appetit, which makes sense because I love watching their videos. But the podcast is way different. The podcast is a lot lower key. Uh, you know, it's it's a little more relaxed. It's got some people on that maybe don't always make it to their videos. 
Um, there's a guy that was just on a few weeks ago, Ivan Orkin. Uh, he owns those restaurants, Ivan Ramen, in the city. This is a white dude who grew up in Long Island who then moved to Tokyo and opened up a noodle shop in Tokyo and became successful. So he was a little white Jewish boy who grew up in Long Island who then moved to Tokyo and did noodles well. So, yeah, you can imagine that he's, you know, and he calls himself the uh, Gaijin. Gaijin apparently is uh, like a semi-derogatory term in Japan towards like a white dude. And he made the Gaijin cookbook, which is the second one, you know, talking about being like a lifelong outsider, basically. And it's just interesting because he was saying he never really ate like home-cooked meals as a kid. Like he was saying like his mom never actually prepared dinner. You know, he was always... Uh, he was always just, you know, eating frozen dinners and prepared stuff and Campbell's chicken noodle soup and shit like that. So he really didn't know how to cook anything until he got a little bit older and started, you know, cooking for himself. But he wrote the book and he came on the Bon Appetit podcast. And, you know, it, it's it's been interesting. It's been giving me some new thoughts about just cooking in general, not necessarily cooking for content. You know, I've been finding that part of the problem is I've been wanting just to make more meals uh, just for me and just for me and my wife and like just to eat and it's it's hard to have to you know make something look insanely single pretty every single time and that's not what it's really about cooking like it's nice to see it and we all look on Instagram we all empathize with it and stuff but that's not why we cook we cook to eat you know I mean fuck like and not every single meal that somebody prepares is going to be like the prettiest thing ever sometimes you just want to throw something together and shove it in your face you know which is totally understandable and, I mean, the reason I was thinking about this is because they had somebody on called Allison Roman, and she's a writer for the New York Times, food writer, and she was a food editor for Bon Appetit, I think, for a while. She used to do a lot of recipes for them. And she wrote this new cookbook that's coming out called Nothing Fancy. Nothing Fancy is more about making meals and having people over at your house, but not quote-unquote hosting. You know, just like cooking food that people love and serving it to them. You know, I mean, when people eat at home, they're not expecting every single thing to be perfect. They're not expecting the most beautiful dish that they've ever seen. They're not, you know, and she, she said, who wants to eat a hot carrot? You know what I mean? That's like the best way I could possibly describe it. So it's been giving me some more thoughts on like food maybe that I want to try to cook and not necessarily photograph. You know, maybe I'll take a quick picture of it, but I'm not going to do like a whole IGTV video, which completely changes the dynamic of how you have to cook something, by the way, because anybody who actually cooks in the kitchen knows that when you're just cooking and when you're cooking for a video or content, Unless you have someone on the outside completely operating everything, which I don't, it's 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 not the same. And it's fine if you do that, but, you know, ask any chef in a the kitchen. They're not cooking for a camera every single time. Like, sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's fast, sometimes you cut yourself, you curse. You know, things got to move quickly. That's just how it is. And sometimes I enjoy meals where I'm just, like, moving a little bit in my little corner in the kitchen and throwing stuff together. So, I don't know. Basically... I love putting out photos and I love putting it on Instagram and, you know, anybody who listens to this who also sees me on Instagram, like I love all the comments that everyone always, you know, sends me and all the DMs and stuff that people want to know recipes and stuff. It's awesome. But, you know, I also just love cooking food. You know, I mean, there have been plenty, there have been more meals that I haven't taken a picture of that I've eaten that I've enjoyed and that my wife has cooked that we've enjoyed that completely outweigh the ones that I have actually photographed, Um, you know. So I don't know, the podcast just kind of got me thinking about that. And I kind of wanted to pose a question, I guess, to anybody that would listen to this, you know, what's something that you really love making maybe that no one really knows you make, you know, everyone's got something that no one really knows about, you know, um, good example. My wife, as you know, cooks a lot 
and she has this dish that she makes that is like with chicken thighs and she takes like a zucchini and puts it through a cheese grater and mixes that with rice and veggies and aromatics and then bakes everything in a big enamel like Dutch oven. And so it's basically like a, like a chicken thigh zucchini rice veggie dish that's all made in like one pot. And I've never posted it. She's never posted it, but it is one of our favorite things to eat. And it's one of the best things that she cooks. And you know, that's something that like no one really knows about, but we love to eat, you know, and especially, you know, if you cook for yourself or you cook for a spouse or a significant other, whomever, there's going to be things that the only the two of you really eat, you know, especially if you end up living together. I mean, that's the situation that we got in was that we started out with like menus and then after the menus, it just kind of formed into like a repetitive thing. You know, next thing we knew, we had dishes that we were eating multiple times a month, multiple times a week. So I don't know. Everyone always says to me on the Instagram, like, you know, <laughs> that sounded, sounded like an old person there. Everyone always says to me on the Instagram. No. Um, everyone always says to me on Instagram, they really wish that they could like cook more and, you know, whatever. And it's really not that hard. I mean, if you know how to make a really perfect, good grilled cheese, that is way harder than it looks. So if you do know how to make one well, give yourself some credit. If you don't know how to make one well, just stop turning the heat up so high. That's that's basically how you do it. Butter, lots of butter, um, and medium heat or medium low heat and time. That's basically it. Um, if you don't want to use butter, then, you know, what can I say? Try looking into other alternatives. But, you know, so maybe give yourself credit for something that you don't think. I don't know. Just something to think about. But, um, so yeah, in the coming weeks on the podcast, I'm going to have a few guests uh, this Sunday, Saturday, one of these days this weekend, I don't know, I'm going to be recording with a good friend of mine, her name is Jess, and she and I have known each other for a very long time, and she is now a coach at a UFC gym in Soho, um, she's also somebody who makes her own tortillas from scratch, and they come out insane, so <laughs> she's, she's a very weird combination of somebody who is, like, incredibly physically fit, but also has not compromised her diet, or her food, or even making really good food because I know guys that have been going to the gym for like years and they've evolved to just like, you know, cooking plain chicken and like some Brussels sprouts and pouring like honey mustard on top and just eating it with a fork. It's totally fine if you want to do that. But there are also ways that you can eat real food and enjoy it and stuff like that. I mean, everyone who's been on the keto diet sees that. So she and I are going to talk about the intertwining world of like, you know, trying to stay physically fit and expectations, especially when you're like a trainer and a coach like she is, while also loving to make homemade tortillas that you've been having since you were a kid, you know? Uh, shortly after that, I'm going to be talking to my boys, Lucas and Steve, from the WMIA podcast. Uh, their podcast, WMIA, you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on SoundCloud, you can find them on YouTube with the videos, Apple Podcasts, and uh, it's really, it's it's awesome. It's the last episode that I was on was four hours and 41 minutes, which is insane. That I, I, I don't even know how the time goes by. It just, it seems only like an hour with them, you know? Time just flies, you know, it's such a good time. So I'm going to have them on and they're going to tell me, you know, a little bit about podcasting. They've been doing at least 60 episodes, I think, something like that. Uh, so it's crazy that there's that many. I don't even know if this will last that long. Probably not. But, um, but yeah. So basically, um, I also wanted to go through a couple of things that I've been interested in recently, a couple of recipes and see if it was anything that would spark anybody's interest that was, you know, out there, anything like that. So one thing that I forced my wife to get at a tag sale not that long ago was a set of six ramekins that was, like, not used at all. 
And ramekins, for those of you who don't know, are just the little white ceramic dishes that people make souffles in. Now, the reason I wanted to get those was because those are oven safe and broiler safe, which is the most important thing. And the reason I wanted to do that was because I want to make French onion soup. Now, French onion soup, not a lot of people make at home. My mom used to make like a version of it, but it wasn't really French onion soup, you know? French onion soup, traditionally, there's a bunch of different ways to make it, but it's basically just onions and broth and butter and some seasonings. And then at the end of it, in the top of the ramekin, after you pour it in the soup, you put a circle of bread and a whole bunch of fucking cheese and broil it. So the cheese just pours over and you've got the bread underneath and you've got this amazing, goopy, incredible Gruyere cheese, you know, maybe mixed with mozzarella and it's dipping down into the bread. Unbelievable. Now, what I want to try and I want to see, get some feedback on this. I saw one person make this a long time ago on Instagram. I'm sure it's around somewhere, but I want to try and make a French onion grilled cheese. Now that sounds kind of crazy, but what I'm thinking about doing is like taking a French onion soup, you know what I mean? And like uh, reducing it down a little more so it's thicker, making just a crazy, like uh, taking a little bit of that mixture and basically making it into a grilled cheese, like putting it on two open sides of a grilled cheese. And that would just be insane. I think that would be incredible. So forewarning, by the way, for anybody listening, you're probably going to hear my cat scream at me at some point. Because uh, she's already looking at me, confused at what the hell I'm doing, talking into a microphone alone on the couch. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll hear her speak up at some point. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to do that. And then also, I've been coming up with some more recipes as far as stuff. Once I get this hot sauce going and I get my licenses, uh, pumping out new products won't take as long, which is the one benefit. So after this hot sauce, you know, there's a couple more I've got on the back burner that I wanted to try but one thing I've been getting a lot of really good feedback with is this garlic honey that I make. So basically it's fermented garlic honey. I ferment garlic cloves inside of a jar of honey. And the longer you let it sit, the better it tastes. I mean, I, I've, I had one sitting for probably three months, maybe two and a half months, and it's only gotten better. Um, I gifted a jar to the WMIA guys, and I'm making a new batch right now. And I just the more I make it, the more I'm tweaking it with some of the stuff I'm putting in. You can make this as simple as just garlic and honey, though. I think one of the original recipes I saw was just that. So I've, I've put my own little spin on it, but that's something that would not be as acidic as a hot sauce. I wouldn't have to go through all the different crazy processes, and it's something that I think a farmer's market would go nuts for. So, yeah. Eventually, what I'm going to be doing is doing a little tiny giveaway where I just have like a little tiny like two or three ounce mason jar, and I'm going to be putting some honey in there and giving it away to somebody on Instagram. So I'll be posting that after this next batch of honey is finished and completed. So yeah. But anyway, so back to um, Bon Appetit. I've been getting, I've, I've, I've kind of shot away from Bon Appetit for a while. And a lot of you might feel the same because I don't know if you've looked, but like the magazine just looks bougie as fuck. You know what I mean? Like you look at the magazine and you feel like you were out of your element. And like six years ago, there was this crazy trend in food where there was just like, there was way too many fucking ingredients, like way too many ingredients. Like if you open up a page of a magazine, you go to make a recipe, tell me right now who here wouldn't have looked at something that had like 25 ingredients or 50 ingredients with these crazy fucking spices that you're never going to use and you just turn the page because like who the hell wants to make that, you know? Like the best things that are easy to make are the ones where it doesn't take a crazy amount of ingredients. Like you can just take like six things, throw it together and make something perfect. You know, um, I, I made a video on linguine with clams the other night. The linguine with clams has like five things in it. That's it. 
you know, and that's a great fucking dish that they serve at a lot of restaurants that a lot of Italian restaurants and you don't need that much, you know, and I'm a very firm believer in, yeah, putting a lot of ingredients together in the right way can work, but it's better when you just have good, fresh ingredients and the right combination that could mean three ingredients or two, you know, sometimes just one, sometimes just a good ass tomato. Sometimes a tomato is just what you need, you know? So I don't know. But I shied away from Bon Appetit for a while because of that. You know, I would open it up and I'd see these like crazy fucking recipes and they were dished on these slabs of like slate and granite and it was just like all out of the element and I was just like, I, I can't fucking do this. Like, look, I am not a chef, you know, I'm a home cook. I might be slightly more advanced as far as like making recipes than some other people, but I'm not a chef. I fuck up cooking rice all the time. Like, you know, I don't have a rice cooker, you know? My wife makes perfect rice every single time, but that's because she's way better at it and she's had more practice. Like, there are some people who have all these different methods and, like, you put a spoon in the middle. Some people use their knuckle, which makes no fucking sense. But, you know, when you're a home cook, you have to do things that you feel like are within your world. It's nice to branch out and it's nice to taste things and stuff like that, but I think the reason that I shot away from Bon Appetit for so long and I, I kind of gravitated towards Munchies was because Bon Appetit was like, ah, the fuck? I'm like, I can't fucking cook this shit. You know, especially when it was like five, six years ago and I was really starting to get into cooking like a lot. I would look at the magazine and just be like, I can't fucking do this. So I started watching Munchies videos probably back in 2014, I'd say, when they started launching. And all of a sudden Vice put out their channel Munchies and I don't know, it was like not stuck up chefs. You know, not that I have anything against people like, you know, Jacques Papin, Gordon Ramsay, and all these people, they're they're pioneers. I love them. But, you know, all of a sudden I was seeing some crazy fucking loudmouth Canadian tattooed dude who was just screaming into the camera, showing us how to make the best cheeseburger in the world, and he didn't have anything else. In fact, he even said, Matty Matheson, for those of you who don't know, is the man I'm talking about. And that video that I'm talking about, the burger video, he that's the one where I first heard. He's like, treat your burgers like a steak. And if you have good enough beef that you're supposed to grind grind yourself, which I don't have a meat grinder, but um, a good way to do that, but if you don't have a meat grinder and you want to trust the burgers that you're making, go get a nice piece of beef and make sure there's a good fat ratio and just have the butcher actually grind it. I mean, you could even do that technically at Stop and Shop, at uh, ShopRite or Stop and Shop if you want to. Like I've gone to Stop and Shop and, and ShopRite and have them cut me a, you know, an actual cut of pork belly before they slice it up like bacon. So... You know, but that was the first video where I saw just treat your burger like a steak. Stop getting so fucking fancy. You don't put breadcrumbs in there, Worcestershire sauce, any of that shit. You know, a lot of people do that. And if you're grilling a burger outside, sure, do that. And the reason that you do that is so everything stays together because those grates in the grill with that open flame, it's going to cut through the meat and the actual like integrity of the meat a lot. So you need things to hold it together. You need things that are going to stand that char, you know. That's not how I cook burgers because I live in an apartment. And so I have a cast iron pan. With a cast iron pan, you're locking in all the juices from the burger. You don't have this open flame outside in a 90 degree heat in the summer. So, you know, it's a lot different as far as how you're going to go around cooking it. You know, and a cast iron pan is by far, I think, the best way because you end up tasting everything. You keep all the integrity of the beef. You put whatever toppings you want on the burger, but don't fuck with the beef itself. You know, I'm a firm believer... If you want to go, if you want to go get Shoprite meat and throw some ingredients in there to make it taste good, absolutely, that's fine. But if you're about to go to, you know, a good butcher and get a good piece of beef, have him grind it and throw it on a grill outside, don't you fucking dare. 
you might as well just be buying Bubba burgers if you're cooking outside like that. You know, I have become a huge advocate for the cast iron pan. So, I don't know. But I, anyway, back to my original point. I started looking at those videos and to me it was like they were introducing people and recipes that were very relatable and kind of down to earth, you know. All of a sudden it wasn't people who were completely out of my element. So, I don't know. I I, th- I feel like that's why for many years I stayed away from Bon Appetit. Now, I think they kind of caught on that trend. Like, I get that wasn't the whole theme of the magazine, but now it's like they got a lot more people cooking in front of the camera, especially who are uh, a little more kind of down to earth and relatable and funny. Uh, Brad Leon, one of my favorite people ever, you know, he came up with my favorite, ex- uh, my favorite word to explain putting a little dash or something in. He calls it a skosh. He's like, you know, you just got to put a little skosh of that in there with some water. I fucking love Brad Leon. And Maddie Matheson now makes frequent guest appearances on Bon Appetit. So go figure. Action Bronson, same thing. Bronson I'll get into in a little bit later. He's the he's one of the reasons I actually started cooking a lot. So we'll talk about him in a bit. But, you know, so I think Bon Appetit kind of got on that a little bit. I think they they kind of uh, started seeing that more a younger generation all of a sudden was getting into cooking. And people were starting to open up restaurants at an earlier age. And things were changing. And I think that that's good. I think that if you can branch and show people that cooking is actually within reaching distance, more people would do something like that, you know? I think if at an earlier age I had understood that you didn't need, you know, classical culinary training to be able to cook well and come up with recipes and stuff, I would have started much earlier, you know? It took me a while to realize that you could be creative to really make recipes, you know? I mean, I had my own recipes for stuff for years, like, you know, my own little red sauce and, like, you know, some chicken recipes, but and like uh, octopus recipes, but it wasn't like, you know, anything insane. So I don't know. Um, I think I like the movement of where things are going from kind of like this crazy fine dining, dishing things up crazy to just making things that are visually appealing and showing people things that are within their reach, like cooking with ingredients that you could easily get at a grocery store. You know, to me, that's like one of the most appealing things. And, you know, if you go out shopping, I mean, for anybody that's listening that does all the primary shopping, for their household, if you're someone who does all the shopping, right? I I read this thing in Bon Appetit, which is very, very true, that you shouldn't read a recipe and then go shopping. I know that that's like, obviously, that's like, uh, you know, that's what we all do because you see what you need for the dish, you go out, you shop. What you should do, what they suggest is, especially if you're buying it for your own home, is just go to the store and see what's good and see what's there and walk around. And if you have that kind of time, fine. Um, you know, if you know you're making pasta that night and you need olive oil, obviously go to the store, get what you need. But if you've got the time, go to the store and I don't know, like just look around, you know, and see if there's something there maybe that yeah, you get inspiration from. You see that the, you know, leeks are really, really nice and ripe. So you want to make potato leek soup or you see that there are giant, amazing russet potatoes and, you know, you want to make steak fries or, you know, baked potatoes. Um, you know, or like you want to get Yukon gold to make potato chips. I, I, I don't know, but it just, you know, stuff like that. And I, I mean the meat, the frozen meat, the frozen fish, that's always going to be there. It's always going to be fine. But like the fresh produce and stuff is really where a lot of the base of these dishes come from, you know, and especially like in Cajun cooking, you know, with the Trinity that they call it and like a Mirquois and French cooking, which is, they're basically both the same thing, except, um, one has red pepper, one does not. So I don't know. Um, 
I just, I feel like that's a good approach to it too. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like shopping and I know you find it more as like a necessity, but I think if you started buying ingredients that you actually liked just the ingredients, you would come up with dishes from that. You know, I mean, a lot of times that's what I do. I'll go to the store and if I see something that I like a lot, I'll buy something and I'll just cook something from that. You know, like I, I went to the store for a stir. I would think I was making a stir. I, I, I felt like, I felt like making a stir fry. So I was like, let me go see what the veggies look like. And I went to the store to look at the veggies and I saw these amazing Thai chilies that I, I love, I love chilies. I have Thai chilies tattooed on my arm. Like they're, you know, when they're, when they're available, they're great. So I used those and sliced those up and used those in the stir fry that I made the other night. And it was, it was amazing. And I would never have kind of gone gravitated towards those like organically. You have to like bump into stuff like that. So I don't know. Um, I feel like there's a movement in food, which is going more towards like, yes, more people can do this. And I like that, you know, I mean, I grew up watching Emeril on the TV, cha- on the, on the Food Network and Gordon Ramsay, as much of an asshole as Gordon Ramsay is, he, he, he's allowed to be an asshole. The guy is a fucking master chef. He really is like, he's that arrogant because he knows that he can be, um, uh, Jacques Pepin, I've been watching my entire life with my father. He's like a master, you know, and it's, it's great to grow up watching these people and realize that. There are master levels of cooking, like anything in life. If you want to go to culinary school and you want to do all that, yeah, you can reach that. But um, there are also a lot of avenues that you can take just as a home cook to do that. So I don't know. I mean, that was that's kind of like a, the first theme of the first podcast. The main thing is that I wanted to express how I've been feeling recently about food and the fact that I've been seeing this trend that food is shifting more towards like a relatable place, which I really like. And the fact that I saw Bon Appetit kind of shifting towards that, that's why I really started listening more to the podcast because the podcast kind of goes with that theme. You know, the videos, the magazine still looks pretty bougie and very trendy, but like the 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 videos online all of a sudden are like with very funny people and they're enjoyable to watch. The podcast especially, you've got these people on there that are just, you know, just talking about everyday life and stuff like that, you know. Um, I think that's great. I think that if you can do that, you'll make more people comfortable within the food area. Because there's a lot of people that just don't want to deal with it, don't like cooking, and just enjoy having other people make their food. And that's fine, but I think part of the population that does that is because they feel like they can't. And that's really my goal. Like, my what I always say to people is that if I can cook, anybody can cook, you know? Like, there's a few tips and tricks that I may know that most people should know, like knife skills and, like, you know, safety things and little tricks on how to marinate, you know, shit like that. But that's nothing that no one, that not everybody can learn, you know? I mean, it's like... It's it's completely within your range. So, yeah. Now, and I said I would mention Action Bronson. The reason that I wanted to mention Action Bronson is because when I did start back in 2014 diving into those Munchies videos, he was really the first one that I kind of grasped. And it blew my mind. For those of you who don't know, Action Bronson is a rapper. But before he was a rapper, he was a chef. And this is a guy who didn't even finish like high school. And he started cooking in his dad's restaurant. And then he was cooking in a bunch of restaurants all over the city. And then he was in the kitchen, in his dad's kitchen in the restaurant, and he, like, slipped on some oil or some shit and, like, snapped his leg in half. So being, like, laid up in a bed for, like, months on end while his leg was healing, he couldn't cook. So he said he started focusing on rap, and which is weird. I guess he used to just joke around and rap when he was younger, but it turned into, like, one of his first... Uh, you know, one of his first EPs, and then like Doctor Lecter came after that. Doctor Lecter is like one of my favorite fucking albums ever. If you have, if you have the time, look up Doctor Lecter, like Hannibal Lecter. Doctor Lecter, Action Bronson. That is 
by far one of my favorite rap albums ever released. And I think what really caught me was that I saw this guy who was all of a sudden intertwining cooking with his music. He started rapping about food and he started getting inspiration. You know, he was taking his food to five-star Italian restaurants and playing his songs for these head chefs and trying to get the head chefs to, you know, cook something inspired by their music. And, like, he went to Morea in the city. Morea is like a five-star Italian restaurant. And, you know, you call, you spend $50, $60 a person there easily. And Chef Michael White, love Chef Bianco. He's fucking awesome. Chef Michael White is there uh, listening to, like, Baby Blue off uh, Mr. Wonderful. And he wants to make a risotto because he was like, you know, it's kind of like a sad song. It's kind of slow. And like risotto is like this dish that, you know, you got to sit there for like 45 minutes and you just got to stir in the broth. And like, you know, there are other ways to cook risotto, but like traditionally that's how you do risotto is you got to put one fucking ladle of broth at a time over and over. Hi, babe. My wife is in the room. Bye. She left. Uh, Risotto is this kind of dish where you have to put in one ladle at a time for 45 minutes till all of it soaks in, then more and more and more, you know, and it's, it's, it's a painstaking process. But the fact that he was able to get that from a song and he was intertwining the music with it, I, I just, I fucking love that. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a little bit crazy sometimes. He can be a douchebag sometimes, but I fucking love him. I, I think he's amazing. And I think it's really fucking cool that somebody who is getting pretty well-known in the rap world is also like a, like a brilliant chef. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just find it really great to intertwine two worlds like that. You know, it's all about creativity. But anyway, so as I start wrapping up on this episode number two, really the first full episode, uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Wanted to give a couple shout outs uh, to some people. First shout out was to the WMIA boys. I'll have them on within the next couple weeks. And I wanted to thank them for having me on their podcast last time. It was fucking awesome. And uh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, my wife because she's the one that encouraged me to start doing this podcast in the first place a long time ago. And I was just like, eh, I'm like, whatever. But, uh, you know, it's good that I started doing it. And I wanted to give a shout out to to Wustoff Knives, which sounds stupid. They're not sponsoring this episode, although they could. Send the check, buddies. Send the check. Uh, um. No, it's just, I think for for our wedding, somebody gave me like an entire Wustoff knife set. And I had had a six-inch blade before then from Wustoff, but I bought a whetstone. I've been sharpening them, and I just, I fucking love them. I love the weight. I love the handle. I love the look of it. The chef knife that I have tattooed on my forearm is based after that classic three-bolt kind of Wustoff look. So, yeah, I don't know. If you guys need a chef knife and you don't want to spend that much money, definitely look at the Wustoff. Although, I think I'm going to go Japanese in a few months. So, I don't know. I'm going to look for like a... Maybe a shun. You know, I want to start with something decent. Global's not bad. Global's just like, I don't know. Global is cool. I kind of like the look of the handle. It's like this metal stainless steel handle that just has all the black dots over it, like for the grip. That's kind of cool, but I I, I don't know. I kind of like the look of the shuns that look like, you know, for real fucking knives that can fuck some fish up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a real knife. Anyway, so comments on this. Uh, Don't forget to go to my Instagram at Captain Cook's Food. Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Captain Cook's Food. Uh, I will put the link for the Indiegogo. Uh, if you want to go to my blog and check out some recipes on the blog, it is captaincooksfood.wordpress.com. And yeah, I want to thank everyone for listening. Hope you all have a good night. I'll be coming out with another episode probably next week or so. I'll be recording with some people in the next week. 
And everyone have a great night. This has been Spicy Memories, Episode 2. Cheers, everybody.